Lord, your name is beautiful. Your name is wonderful. Lord, your name is powerful. Lord, today as we talk about the hope that is found in you, Lord, I pray that we will just dwell in the presence of your glory and your majesty and your power today. Speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Can we thank these students and uh, all these folks on the platform who've led us in worship today? Wow. So wonderful. I, uh, I told Sydney, who is down here, who's young enough to be my daughter, I said, Sydney, how does it feel to be the oldest person out front today? <laughs> but uh, the Lord is just raising up so many, so many uh, talented worship leaders, and we're grateful. Um, for their leadership here today, and a special thanks to Nadine and the LCA Choir. Last week, uh, Charles kicked off our new sermon series called A Thrill of Hope. As you were coming in this morning, making your way through Main Street, you couldn't miss it. A Thrill of Hope, a weary world rejoices. And uh, he talked about hope revealed. And I want to take just a moment to kind of recap his message from last week. He talked about hope revealed in the promise of Christ. And he, he mentioned that there were 332 Old Testament prophecies of the coming of Jesus that were fulfilled. And in his words, he said, he willingly stepped away from his majestic throne and into our messy home. Welcome to our world. And then he talked about hope revealed and the power of the cross. John 3, 16, we all said it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And God didn't come to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The cross revealed the depth of God's love. Folks, that is everlasting hope. And then he talked about hope revealed in the presence of of his coming. And he mentioned the 332 prophecies in the Old Testament regarding his first coming. And, and he reminded us that there were some 1,800 prophecies of the second coming of Jesus. And so here we are in between these two advents Advent number one, the coming and the, and, and the manger there in Bethlehem, Advent number two, when Christ comes again to rapture his church and we will spend eternity with him. And so in the meantime, we are here right in the middle of these two advents navigating our way through this thing called life. The kingdom of God has come, but not yet. It's the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. It's kind of like the war has been won, but the war is not done yet. Uh, theologians call that inaugurated eschatology. Now, I'll save that sermon for Dr. Heinsohn or someone who can really tell you about that. But this is not the end. Hope revealed in the presence of his coming. This is a messy world in which we live. I doubt very seriously that I would get an argument from that. Hopelessness seems to abound everywhere. And the further we stray from God, the more we drift from God, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment, the more hopeless we become. In Job chapter 11, or chapter 8, verse 11, in the Living Bible, it says, those who forget God have no hope. 
Oh my goodness, those who forget God have no hope. If there ever was a time when God is being shelved and forgotten, it seems to be the culture in which we live today. What happens when a culture forgets God? Here's what happens. Wealth is idolized. Truth is minimized. Life is trivialized. Abortion is legalized. Television is vulgarized. Everything is sexualized and commercialized. Our consciences become desensitized. Education is secularized. Races are polarized. Morals and ethics are liberalized. Entertainment crime is sensationalized. Immorality is popularized. Drugs are legitimized. Sin is glamorized. The courts are paralyzed. The breakup of the family is rationalized. Manners become uncivilized. Christians are demonized. And God is marginalized. No wonder there's so much hopelessness in our world today. But folks, I've got good news. There is a hope. And his name is Jesus. And next Sunday, Pastor Jonathan is going to unpack that. That hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. But there is a hope that you can anchor your soul to. That's a promise. The promise is God's. The person is Jesus. And that, my friend, that hope changes everything. Now, let me remind you real quick what hope is not. Hope is not optimism. Hope is theological. Optimism is psychological. Optimism is telling yourself that things are going to be great even though you know good and well they are not. Optimism has a tendency to kind of be out of touch with reality, trying to convince yourself of something that you know is not true. Oh, I hope when I get on the scales first time back in the gym after Thanksgiving that they're going to go down. <laughs> after turkey and dressing and all of the trimmings, are you kidding? That's being optimistic, not much reality. To that. Now, opti optimism is not all bad, right? A lot of coaches will use optimism to motivate their players and their teams and Quite frankly, I'd much rather be around a person who is optimistic where the glass is half full than someone who is always pessimistic. But optimism is not going to change the world. Optimism is convincing yourself that your situation really isn't bad. You know what hope says? Hope says, my situation's bad. It's really bad. But I still believe I still believe. There are basically three types of hope. Charles kind of uh, shared a little bit last week about the different kinds of hope when he said there's the difference between an earthly hope and a biblical hope. I'm going to give you three kinds of hopes. First one, there's wishful hope. Now, this is what most of us, when we use the word hope week after week, day after day, and we say, I hope, this is, we're talking about a wishful hope. I hope that I'm in the fastest lane in the grocery store. Anybody else play that game? You're walking up and you're just kind of, you're looking at how many they have in this cart right here. And I think, I get it wrong every time, every time. I hope that the light turns green because I'm late to this meeting. I hope when I go to Sam's today, there's toilet paper. Right? Yeah, I, 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 you're thinking the same thing. Wishful hope. And then there is an expectant hope. Now, there's some, there's some reality that's attached to expectant 
hope. I hope that in the spring I'm going to have a really good stand of grass at my house. Why? Because I paid Jeff Andrews to come out and aerate my yard and overseed my yard. And so because there's a little bit of reality attached to it, I'm hopeful. There's an expectant hope. When we say of a lady who is pregnant, we say that she is expecting. Why? There's a little baby growing inside of her. Which, by the way, our worship ministry assistant, Abby Williams, her husband, Kevin, plays the organ over here. They are, they are expecting a little girl. And so if you see Abby around, just be sure to congratulate her. And she is expecting that in a few months, she's going to give birth to this beautiful little girl. Sadly, even expectant hope doesn't always come through, right? I'm sure in a room this size, there are many ladies in the room who have experienced the pain and the trauma of a miscarriage where you hoped to give birth to a child and that hope was dashed. It wasn't guaranteed. But the hope that I want us to talk about today is guaranteed. It's what I call certain hope. This is what the Bible says that you and I can anchor our life to. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. The, the Living Bible calls it the certain hope. There is no doubt in certain hope. It is confident. You can take it to the bank. It's firm. It's strong. It is secure. It's trustworthy. It is dependable. Certain hope. You can live for weeks, they say, without food. Maybe some of us a little longer. Uh, you can exist several days without water. You can exist for seconds, maybe a minute or two without oxygen, without air. But folks, you cannot live without hope. Amen. I'm talking about this certain hope, the hope that changes everything. Hope keeps your soul alive. Charles mentioned this last week when he said, hope is the life preserver of our soul when it seems all is lost. We had a pretty good example of that this past week. I don't know how many of you saw this story in the news uh, Sunday night, Monday night. Stuart B., 62-year-old retired truck driver, obviously an avid boater, uh, decided that he would leave the, the Canaveral floor, down in Florida and go out for two or three-hour uh, stargate, three-hour tour. Uh, he went out to do some stargazing, and while he was out there, he fell asleep. And he was awakened by water suddenly gushing into the cabin of his vessel. And so the boat began to sink. And so Stuart climbed out of the window onto the outside. And somehow, miraculously, there was about a 12-foot section of his vessel that was sticking up out of the water that had enough of an air pocket in there to stay afloat. Stuart grabbed a hold of the top of that vessel. You see the pictures there. And he was holding on for dear life. His family uh, reported him missing. The Coast Guard sent the word out. And a cargo ship take, holding uh, Chiquita bananas happened to come by and they noticed him. And 30 minutes later, they are throwing out the life preserver to Stuart B. And Stuart was miraculously saved. 
Hope is not just a life preserver, folks. It is an anchor, an anchor for your soul. What's the purpose of an anchor? Well, an anchor prevents drifting. An anchor provides stability in a storm. Wow, sounds like just what we need in life, right? Something that's going to anchor our souls so that we don't drift and so that we can survive during the storms of life. Without an anchor, a boat can easily drift into unsafe waters. Rarely is there a good positive outcome when, when drifting occurs. We've heard many, many stories, lots up at uh, Niagara Falls area where, where these vessels drifted to their peril. And I remember in um, 2002, May 26, 2002, I remember this day very well. It was a Sunday morning, early in the morning. There was a uh, a uh, barge that was making its way down the Arkansas River in the area of Oklahoma where my wife and I were living at the time. And the, the captain of this barge, this tugboat, went to sleep. And suddenly the barge began to drift off track. And it ended up running right into the support beams that hold this big bridge that I, on I-40 that goes across the Arkansas River. And a large section of that bridge came tumbling down. Cars began to plunge off of this bridge down into the Arkansas River. 14 people died that day, 11 others critically injured. Why? How did it begin? It began with just drifting off course, drifting into unsafe waters. The same, folks, can be true for us in life. It's easy to drift. It's easy to drift away from God. Can I tell you this? That's one reason why Pastor Jonathan and our entire team, we pray pretty seriously about this season that we're in right now where some people just aren't able to meet with us. Some people are choosing not. You know what? I am convinced. I'm just going to say it. I am convinced that God's plan for his people is for us to meet together and worship. But there is a strong... But there's a strong concern and a strong fear that we can get so accustomed to not doing that that we no longer do. And there's kind of a spiritual drifting that takes place. We can drift away from our goals. We can drift away from our family, those that we love the most. Lot, Lot was guilty of drifting. When he pitched his tent there at Sodom, he began to be influenced by the carnality of that sinful city when Samson drifted in his relationship with Delilah. It wasn't long before the pagan culture was bringing him down. Even David, the man after God's own heart, in a moment of leisure, he let his guard down and he drifted with lust towards Bathsheba. Hope anchors our souls preventing us from drifting. An anchor also provides stability in a storm. Now, an anchor reduces what they call pitch and roll in, in a storm. Now, I don't know a whole lot about being out on the sea. I took a couple of cruises along the way. Uh, but I remember about seven or eight years ago, I do not know what possessed me to do this, but our family was vacationing down off the coast of North Carolina. And we were eating at a restaurant this one night and, and right next to the restaurant was this place that said deep sea fishing. And I had a hunker in to go deep sea fishing. 
I know nothing about deep sea fishing, but I was just feeling a little bit adventurous in the moment, right? What was even more of a miracle is when I mentioned to my wife, who does not, is not the most adventurous person in the world, honey, you want to go deep sea fishing? I was kind of hoping she would say, nah. She said, let's do it. So we got up on that next morning, me and my wife and my son Cameron, and we head out with about 100 other people into the deep on the windiest day known to mankind. And so as we're heading out, we lost about half of the people. You know what I mean, right? We lost about half of them on the way out, and I'm doing pretty good until we stopped. And then I learned what pitch and roll was all about as my stomach began to pitch and roll. And uh, I was trying to be a tough guy. My wife and son were up near the front. I said, I'm going to go back and check out the back of the boat. I was dying, y'all. And so I get to the back of the boat, and I could, how do I say this? I could hold it no longer. And uh, violently, I lost my breakfast. And I remember Cameron telling me this story. He said uh, that my wife could hear what was going on back there, and she said, oh, that poor man. <laughs> to which my son responded, that's dad. <laughs> Woo, pitch and roll. But an anchor, an anchor can stabilize us in the storms of our life. And here's the deal. The bigger the boat, the larger the anchor needs to be. If you want to live a full life, if you're ambitious and you have goals in your life and you're wanting to, to live that abundant, full life that we read about in John, you better have an anchor. Why? Because there will be storms in your life. There are going to be physical and emotional and financial tidal waves that want to sweep you away. And you need to be anchored. And the scripture tells us that we can, our hope is anchored in him. Where do we get this? People often look for something other than God to anchor them, placing their hope in things, placing their hope in people, that eventually are going to disappoint. We call this misplaced hope. Real hope, certain hope, is based on God's words, not our wishes. It's not based on what I sense, but it is based on what God said, not on my emotions, but what God has spoken. And here's the good news. It's not a probability, folks. It is a promise. It's a promise. Paul tells us this in Titus chapter 1. I like how the message says this. My aim is to raise hopes by pointing the way to life without end. This is the life God promised long ago. And here's the good part. And he doesn't break his promises. His promises are yes and amen. Real hope, certain hope, is based on the fact that God cannot lie. We can trust his promises. We can take them to the bank. Paul has much to say about the hope we have in, in, in Jesus, especially in the book of Romans. Now, Romans is, is Paul's masterpiece. It's his magnum opus. It's his crown jewel. And he takes about the first 11 chapters there 
And he gives us a bedrock of, of theology. He tells us that we are all condemned before the Lord, but that God has made a way through his son, Jesus, that you and I can be justified by our faith in him. He tells us about the promises that he gave to Abraham. Chapter five, he talks about justification. Chapter six, he talks about, and chapter seven, he talks about sanctification. Chapter eight, he talks about glorification. And he speaks on God calling the people to himself and the truth about salvation. And then in chapters 12, 13, and 14, he talks about how that, that truth works itself out in our daily living. Chapter 16, the last chapter of the book, he kind of gives some salutations and he tells about his travel plans and tell this person hello. But in chapter 15, that's where he really kind of closes out his, his heart and his thoughts to the people after he reminds them of the promises that he has given to the Jews and to the Gentiles, he kind of ends his letter this way. It's almost like he puts his pen down and he prays this intimate prayer for his friends. And he says this in, in verse 13, I pray that God who is the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What a prayer for those people. You see, folks, God is both the source and the supplier of hope. He's not only the inspire of hope, he's the author of hope. And here's the good news. His supply is abundant. He just doesn't ration it out. And so Paul says, I pray that the God of hope, the source of hope, will give to you joy and peace because you trust. Now this joy, this peace, this is not a personality trait. We're not talking about that guy who walks in the room all jovial and bubbly and happy and just kind of lights up the room, or that person who just has this cool, calm, collected, non nonchalant peace like nothing could ever go wrong. I'm not talking about a personality trait. I'm talking about this inward satisfaction of soul that wells up with delight of knowing that he is our Father. The creator of all things is our Father, and we are his sons and daughters. Whoo! That hope, that is hope. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace because you trust him. The King James Version says, in believing, in believing, you've placed your faith in him and the work of the cross. I think one of the greatest hymns of all times is Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I love the last verse because it kind of sums all of this up in that one verse. There's pardon for sin. Guys, we don't have to walk around in our sinfulness with, without any hope of forgiveness. There's pardon for sin. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Pardon for sin. There's a peace that endureth. And his presence to cheer us. And to guide us, there's strength for today, oh, and there's bright hope for tomorrow. Hope is our anchor that not only keeps us from drifting, not only keeps us stable 
in the midst of storms. It is the anchor that we can throw out in front of us that latches on to something that we can pull ourselves towards. That something is the cross. It's the finished work of Christ. My hope is built, what? On nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. As you place your trust in him, experiencing joy and peace, Paul says this, you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's like a cycle. The source of hope has given it to you, but then he gives to us joy and peace, which, by the way, happens to be the fruit of the Spirit, right? So through this hope, we, we see the fruit of the Spirit exercised in our lives. And what does Paul says? It fills us up with even more hope, a growing desire to hope in the Lord, producing fruit in our lives that produces even more hope. Paul mentions another hope cycle a little earlier in uh, Romans chapter 5. That's where he's talking about us. We're justified uh, through Christ. And he says this, we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And that hope does not disappoint. Your joy that you are able to experience in the midst of your tribulation, that, that your coworkers and your neighbors go, I don't see it. How can, they, how can they have this inner joy in the midst of this season of their life? This joy finds its root in the hope that the author of hope has given to you. And when you are proven in those bitter situations of life, Paul tells us here that there's even more hope. The cycle repeats itself. There's hope. There's suffering. And we all will suffer. But we persevere through the suffering that produces proven character in our life that brings about more hope. More hope. Now here's something important to remember. Don't get stuck in the wrong place of that cycle. Sometimes the suffering can seem so heavy like there's no end to it, and you just want to throw in the, the towel, don't let that happen. That's why momentum boosters, I like to call them, are important. Assembling together, coming to church to worship together, coming to men's Bible study, women's Bible study, listening to worship music in your car and in your, in your house, making sure that the right voices are speaking into your life. These things are momentum boosters that are going to get us from this area of suffering and perseverance to proven character to even more hope. Oh, Scott, but that's easier said than done. You don't know my situation. The feeling of hopelessness is overwhelming. My mind is just, is just racing and I, I just seem to be losing the race. I've got a word for you today. When you feel hopeless, you need to challenge your thoughts. Take those thoughts captive. Just because you think something doesn't mean that it's true. And just because your thoughts are telling you to do something doesn't mean that you should. Replace those thoughts with the promises of God. If that's you today, I've got a promise 
from God for you today. It's found in Isaiah chapter 43. Listen to this beautiful promise. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Don't lose hope. Don't stop fighting. Contend for what matters. Contending for what you believe in is harder than conceding for what you're afraid of. Let me say that again. Contending for what you believe in is harder than conceding to what you are afraid of. But it's the only option if you're going to live by faith. Where have you given up on God? That's where you need to pitch your tent of hope. Where has hope been reduced to nothing in your life? Folks, that is where you need to pray your bravest prayer. Jesus gave us a weapon uh, against hopelessness, and we read this in Luke chapter 18. Here's what we read. Jesus taught his followers to always pray and to never lose hope. Always pray, never lose. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Are you wallowing in the suffering that you're going through, but you're failing to call upon the supplier, the source of, our, of, of your hope? Jesus says, I taught my disciples to always pray and to never lose hope. Don't panic. Pray. Don't worry. Worship. Don't concede. Contend. Contend for your marriage. Contend for your children. Contend for your health. Contend for your faith. Contend for that lost friend that's been on your prayer list for the longest time. Contend for them. Contending isn't easy. But here's some good news, folks. God is contending for you. Charles reminded us last week that God is not only with us. God is for us. Long before you woke up this morning... The Holy Spirit was interceding for you. And long after you go to bed tonight, the Holy Spirit will be interceding for you. Amen. Psalm 35, 1 tells us that he contends with those who contend against us. God is for us, folks. Rick Warren, pastor at um, Saddleback Church, author of the book Purpose Driven Life, Right after he and his, his wife and family experienced one of the most dramatic moments in their, in their life, when if there ever was a feeling of hopelessness, it would have been in a season like that, he wrote a book called The Hope That You Need, and he identified the 10 most common reasons for hopelessness, and then the 10 reasons based on the Lord's Prayer that you need to be hopeful. And I want to give them to you this morning. When you feel alone or abandoned, remember your loving Father will never abandon you. Our Father, which art in heaven. When life seems out of control, remember God's power is greater than any problem. Hallowed be your name, Lord. When you don't see a purpose, you know, sometimes we can make it through the pain if we can see a purpose in the pain. 
But when you don't see a purpose, remember that God fits everything into his plan. Thy kingdom come. When you're grieving some type of loss, remember God has an even greater purpose. Thy will be done. When you don't have what you need, remember God has promised to meet all of your needs. Give us this day our daily bread. When you've done something wrong and the guilt and the shame and regret, you're drowning in it. Remember that Jesus died to pay that all for all that we've done wrong. Forgive our trespasses. And when you're deeply wounded by someone and bitterness and and resentment is welling up, remember God will settle the score one day. So help me forgive those who trespass against me. When temptation is overcoming you and you're constantly being pulled in the wrong direction and you're giving in to the sin, remember that Jesus in me is greater than any power. Deliver us from evil. And when you're hounded by temptation in your life and then when you're hounded by fear and anxiety leads to hopelessness, remember Jesus is greater than any other power. Deliver us from evil. And when it looks like defeat, remember this is not the end of the story. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.